This is McLeod Insights, where we feature conversations with longtime transportation industry veterans who are now team members at McLeod Software. Our goal is to support and empower our customers by helping them learn about proven ideas and best practices that will have a positive impact on how they run their companies. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome to McLeod Insights. I'm Robert Bowen, McLeod's Director of Product Marketing. Today's broadcast is a conversation from McLeod's recent user conference and features our customer, Tom Curry, Executive Vice President of Kingsgate Logistics. Tom was interviewed by Mark Cubine of McLeod Software. And in this conversation, Tom discusses the company's guiding principles on employee incentives, growing their management talent, and how their customers affect their culture and their talent. Listen in to understand how Kingsgate finds success with all levels of their organization. We hope you enjoy the broadcast. Guys, I'm Mark Cuban from McLeod, and joining me this morning is Tom Curry, who is the Executive Vice President of Kingsgate. And uh, we're going to have a conversation. Tom, tell us just a little bit about Kingsgate so everybody has a, a baseline for where you're coming from. Yeah, so we're a second-generation family-owned uh, logistics company. Uh, we're based out of Westchester, Ohio, which is kind of the Cincinnati area. Um, we were founded in 1986. Um, which is pretty amazing since that was the year that I was born. Uh, so it kind of works out great. I make it a point to only work at companies that were founded the year that I was born. Uh, so great family-owned atmosphere, um, and uh, we've been able to experience uh, a lot of success as we've transformed as a company over the last, uh, last five years or so. Great. I will tell you that you guys are one of the, the, the companies in our customer base, of which there are many who we, we see as being people who pushed the, the edge of a lot of innovation and pushed us, thankfully, as well. Uh, one of the subjects in the whole 3PL LSP brokerage space that, that every company grapples with is creating incentive and measurement systems that actually work, that get the most out of, out of people. And everybody seems to have a different opinion about how that should work. What are the things that, that you guys have found that have been the most effective for you? Yeah, so when, when I joined Kingsgate, um, we, we were we're always been kind of data hungry. Um, when I get, got there, we were primarily using Power Broker to run reports and try to analyze and figure out how someone was performing or weren't performing. And we had a pretty convoluted uh, compensation plan um, that would uh, e literally every employee at the company receive some sort of a bonus. Uh, but no one really knew <laughs> what it was, what it meant. It just, every month, a little something got added to my paycheck. And I mean, I'm, I'm hopeful we're not the only company that's ever done that uh, because it was a disaster. Uh, it was an absolute train wreck because there was no true incentive to it. It was just some way to give a little extra. And if you want to slip someone a couple hundred bucks every month, so that's fine. You can, you can do that. But it really wasn't incentivizing people. And so we really took a, a different look at um, the individuals within our organization. And we started to say, what do we want to do as a company? And then what are the, uh, uh, the attributes that each person has that they can influence 
to help us accomplish those goals. And so we really, you know, we really slimmed it down to three to five things. It's really, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to grow. This is what we want to go after. And then how does every person within the organization feed into that type of a system and then bring incentives in that way? Uh, and it was, it's an interesting conversation to have because there's some people that are like, oh, great, I finally understand this. And then there's another group of people that say, where's my 200 bucks, right? Because they don't get it anymore because they suck, you know? And so it's kind of like, it kind of like opens their world to, wait a minute, you mean to tell me I need to do X, Y, Z to actually perform and bring value to the organization? Yeah. And it just, it rocks some people's world. So um, it's, I mean, it's, we're not perfect. Um, we're still learning. Um, we've, we've made some bad decisions. We've done some interesting things to try to incentivize people. Uh, but we're still learning. We're still kind of growing as we go. And, and uh, we're just not afraid to change. Okay. So over time, it's evolved and you're going to continue to evolve it. And is there, is there one silver bullet thing that needs to be a principle in all these measurement systems? Is it that I understand it or is it that it's tied into to some aspect of the business or revenue or productivity? What's the, the silver bullet thing that you believe in? So we, we do two things. Um, the kicker for us is the company has to be profitable first. Um, that's an interesting thing to do because that's a level of transparency that some people have never experienced. And it can be dangerous when you look at your employees and say, hey, we weren't profitable this month. And we weren't profitable this month. And we weren't profitable this month, right? Because there's a risk there that some people will say, wait a minute, what's happening at the company? The nice thing about that is it pushes you as an organization to be transparent and honest and actually kind of get out in front of that and really tell people, this is what we've seen, this is what we're experiencing, this is why we're experiencing it, and this is how we're gonna build. And, and I, I feel that one of the things we've seen is when you have a common interest, you know, a common interest of we wanna get better, we wanna grow past this, we want to, um, we want to have a great company. I, I don't think anyone wants to go home and be like, yeah, we sucked again today. You know, we had, a, we had another bad day. No one wants that. They want to collectively get better and experience success. And so, you know, there, there's, a, there's a level of transparency there that you have to build in that I think it just, it kind of keeps everyone honest um, to a degree. And from ownership to the people who, you know, on all levels of the organization. And so it requires a little bit more being hands-on, uh, but I think transparency is key. And, uh, you know, I would say that everyone has to be able to have their own level of influence in that. Um, we like the team mentality. We, we build a lot into how the team performs and it impacts the entire team. Because in our company, I can't tell you that this carrier sales rep is doing the exact same work as this carrier sales rep. We all know there's tougher loads to cover. There's easier loads to cover. And so do I pad this person because they're covering all the gravy freight while this person's beating their head into a wall, working in the most difficult freight? Is this person less valuable to me than that person? No. And that person's not, you know, it's vice versa. So we really build a lot in the team mentality, uh, but then give some individual component that impacts the rest of the team in some way. Yeah, now that transparency idea of, of giving people transparency and the risk involved with it, but creating that team mentality, we're all working towards the same goal. Uh, most companies 
find some version of that to be a little bit easier for the brokers who are out selling freight than the brokers who are covering freight. But then you get this whole rest of the organization, uh, the back office people, the accounting people, all the support people. Have you guys found a way to tie them into that, that motivation, that, that incentive measurement thing? Yeah, I, I believe that everything is measurable. There is, you know, I, when it, whether it comes to your uh, technology team, whether it comes to your accounting team, um, there is something to measure in all of that. Um, now you may create, like we may create a quarterly incentive for our um, tech team to say, hey, this quarter, these are the things that we wanna be able to accomplish and get over the finish line. That may be their incentive, that may be it. And if we can get those things, those key projects over the finish line, then they're gonna receive the reward of doing that. Um, and so, so, you know, back in the day, we, we really played with the idea of, of, of how do you incentivize someone? And we had, we had one program that was just, it was atrocious. Um, and it was, it was literally like they were being bonus to do their job. Um, it was one, one of the things that we had, we had account managers that was like, hey, if you create a detailed outline of how to service your customer by the end of the quarter, you'll get a bonus. And I was like, you mean if they do their job? Like, why are we bonusing them for that? Um, like that, that, that there's no, that, that, that's what they do. That's what they should be doing, servicing their client, making sure that if they're not there, someone else is there to service that client. And so, you know, we didn't, we didn't get it right all the time, uh, but, uh, but yeah, we have. And, and I think, you know, whether it's, you know, on the accounting side, whether it's how many shipments they're billing or settling, uh, or whether it's how much time they're actually spending doing it, um, there's, there's so much that you can really measure if you get in and you understand the aspect of what they're doing. So we leverage our business analysts within my uh, strategy team to really evaluate and say, what are the things that they're doing? What can we measure? What can't we? And there's always gonna be some things that you can't measure, but at the core responsibility, there's measurables that you can, you can identify and you can define. Um, you just gotta look for it. You just gotta, you gotta be willing to say, okay, um, they are tech and no, I don't necessarily have a number to what they're doing, but I have an expectation of what I want to see from them to be able to put some deliverables out there. So you're saying everybody, including even the, the IT and technology people within Kingsgate has some measurement of performance and some incentive around it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. So the next question comes for any growing company and, you know, growing companies like yours, a lot of, a lot of growing companies, both asset companies and 3PLs and, and LSPs, is how are we going to develop the management talent, okay? It, you know, there are some companies that we see that go out and, oh, we need a new manager for this department. Let's go hire so-and-so and hope that they work out and culturally fit. You guys have done a lot to grow talent internally. Tell us about that. Yeah, so um, as a company, historically, we have sucked really bad at training. Um, we've just not done a great job of it. Um, we've brought people in, we've kind of thrown, thrown them to the wall, you know, give them a phone, point them, tell them, hey, this is how so-and-so did it, and, you know, let them shadow somebody and all those different things. And uh, one of the things that uh, last year I really challenged um, our ownership team with was how do we operationally become better at what we do? And uh, the, the, the number one thing that I wanted to do was to uh, promote someone to operations manager. Now, when I brought that up, they're like, who in the world are you going to promote? Like, look at our, our current team. None of them are ready to be operations manager. And that, that wasn't an untrue statement. I mean, it was absolutely true. And so I said, I want to build a 
six month training program. And I want to allow as many people as wants to go through this operations manager training program. And every month I had specific tasks, specific responsibilities, specific things that they were being exposed to. They were going to, maybe they went to a course on Xavier. They were gonna give me a synopsis of what they learned and how they could apply it as operations manager. They were looking at KPIs and dashboards and they were telling me, what do you interpret from here? What do you think we should be looking at that we're not? They were, um, uh, they were looking at different pieces of technology, learning how, how do you think we should really be using this technology? What are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? That was a six month program. And we started that, and when I first introduced it, I thought we'd maybe have four or five people who we knew maybe wanted to be, you know, a little bit more exposed and become operation manager. And we had a dozen people sign up and say, I want to go through this program. And so there was an element that we were like, wow, you know, all these people want to be operations manager. And, you know, some of them were like, there's, there's no way. But when I met with them one-on-one, -on -one, what a lot of them said to me is, look, I, I know that I'm not going to be operations manager. I know that I'm not ready for that. I just want to be exposed to the training to be better. And it kind of caused us to look at ourselves a little bit and say, whoa, there's, there's an opportunity here because we've got, here's a dozen team members on our operations team who historically for us, getting operations to engage like that has been extremely difficult. So to have a dozen people come forward and say, hey, I actually, want to learn more. I want to grow. I want to get more involved. It was great. And then we, we tied to that an expectation. At the beginning of the month, I would equip them. I would tie them to people. I would give them resources. And I would tell them by the end of the month, I want that report. I want that synopsis. I want that, you know, detail. I need that by the end of the month. And if in two months they didn't give it to me, they were immediately out of the program. And so we weeded people out along the way. And they were like, I just didn't realize it was so much work. But at the end of that process, we promoted someone who a lot of people thought I was crazy at first for suggesting that this person could be our front runner. And she's crushing it now. She's completely motivated. She is, she's got great rapport with our operations team because they've seen her activities over the last six months as she was learning. She was getting more invested in the business, more invested in what we were doing. And now she is absolutely doing an amazing job. And it's exciting for us too, because we're a women owned business. So to be able to bring someone up within operations and put her at the helm is just, it's super exciting for us. And so um, we've, we've seen a lot of success in that. And uh, we are now building a, a, a career path training module for every position in our company. We're modeling off of that experience and saying, okay, you're a customer or you're a carrier sales rep and you have aspirations to be an account manager. Here's a learning path that you can go through to start learning now how to do it, get them prepared so that our bench strength is so much stronger so that when we land that next four five, $6 million account, we can pull someone from the bench who's already shown us, I wanna learn more, I wanna do more, and I'm ready for the, for the next step. Yeah, that, that is such a unique approach amongst approaches I've, I've heard because the typical approach to leadership is this, oh yeah, you're on this track, it's up or out. Your track is not up or out, it's lots of ways up and oh, by the way, we're gonna, we're gonna sift the field and find the diamonds, right? Yeah, we, we, we're trying to get away from, uh, as a company, we're a relatively flat company. Um, and I think most of us are. Um, and we're trying to get away from the, the term of a career path um, we're talking about learning paths um, and we're talking about career opportunities. 
You know, we've got some of our um, most valuable employees that we moved over from a different department into a new role. And a lot of times people are just looking for what's the, the straight up path. You know, what I got to go from here to here to here to here. Well, that life doesn't, and most of our careers don't look like that, right? Most of our careers look something more like this. And we're trying to help educate and say, look, there's more opportunities than you may see. You may be excellent in operations and you may, you may crush it, but you may not be an operations manager. You may have incredible skills to be able to unpack a process. You may be our next operations analyst who's actually going to help us become more efficient, become better at what we're doing, and look at things from a completely different perspective. I mean, we took one of our accounting, we took our accounting manager and moved him over as a business analyst. And the value that we've gotten out of that is tenfold because I hate accounting. I just hate it. He loves it. He understands everything about it. So the time that he'll invest in building and automating accounting is so much more than I would have ever been interested in doing. And so they get the value out of that as well. And so we're really talking about these learning paths and career opportunities. And out of this, you know, I got to go from here to here to here to here to here to here. Instead of putting people in a silo or in a box. Yep, absolutely. Very innovative. All right, let's talk about customers for a minute. You guys are one of the companies that invest a lot in measuring your customers and analyzing your customers and, you know, uh, even, dare I say, firing customers. Tell us about that. Why is, why is that important? Why have you guys invested so much? And what is, what is the stuff that you're learning? I, you know, I think that if, and, and I think Tom mentioned it this morning, um, if there is ever a time to be looking at whether you should fire a customer, it's now. Um, we have, uh, I literally had a conversation about three or four weeks ago with one of our owners about a specific client. And uh, um, the client isn't really a great cultural fit for us, for who we are, uh, for what it does to my team operationally, to the resources that I tie to it, and to the way that they ultimately treat our team members. Um, and we're moving, you know, we're moving 150 plus loads a week for this customer. And I went to one of our owners and I said, I think we need to fire this customer. And he looked at me and he said, uh, you do understand I've never walked away from business before. Like, you know, this is not going to sit well with me. But as we dissect who they are and the resources that we tie to it, and then the value, the value proposition that we believe we are bringing versus how they see us, you know, we, we're, not a, we're not a company that's satisfied with just being on someone's list. Like that, to me, it's, it's almost derogatory for me to be, be on somebody's list. Because um, that's, not, that's not who we are. We're very consultative at the nature of who we are. I like to walk on the dock with you. I like to see the guy who's doing everything on a clipboard because you guys don't know what the freaking heck you're doing. And I can come and I can apply technology to help you get better. That's what we like to do. So when we find a customer that says, hey, I'm going to do an RFP and I want you to bid on all this and I want you to give me your best rate. And then, you know, after you give me your best rate, uh, a week later, I'm going to ask you for your, really your best rate, you know, like, come on, you really want my business. That, that's like a, like if I did that with my wife when we were dating, I don't think that would have gone too well, right? So for me, it, you know, there's a, there's a look where we have, to, we have to question the culture of our company. And if that customer is impacting your culture in a negative way, you have to be able to have an, because look, talent is tough. It's incredibly tough. 
So if you don't, if you really don't understand what a customer is doing to your talent, your talent will say, I, I can't handle this anymore. And they will walk and it's not worth it. So you have to evaluate more than just the financial, oh, we're doing 150 loads a week. Okay, 150 loads a week. Okay, what does that really net out to? What does it do to your team? What could you be evaluating? So we have a customer, that same customer that we're evaluating right now. And what we're doing is I said, we're gonna do a few week hiatus. We're gonna be very choosy. We're gonna become choosy in that space. And we're gonna invest in these two other clients that we're not giving enough time to who value what we're doing. And within a week, we, we saw we were able to replace that business and more from that. And sometimes you'll find yourself trying so hard to win the affection of a customer when you've got these other customers that if you just gave them a little more time, you'd find out that the value is so much greater. And so, you know, I think for us, the lesson is don't, don't be afraid to question what you're doing. Um, even when it comes to business, there is bad business out there and now's the time to really evaluate how do they look at you as a player? Where are you in terms of, 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 of their list and the value that, that they feel that you're bringing to their organization? Yeah, and along those lines, you guys have invested a lot and part of your, your core philosophy is the, the specialization, the, the value that you bring to those, those shippers. And it sets you apart, right? Yeah. And tell us a little bit about that strategy for how you guys are focusing to build that differentiation, that specialization in a way that's really valuable, right? It's, yeah. it's not, you know, just the, the, the price and all that other stuff. It's how do, you, how do you get insinuated in those customers because of the value you add that they recognize, as you say? Yeah. So I think um, in our business, um, you know, so much of what you try to do is about talking to the right people. Um, there's, a, there's a difference between talking to the logistics manager who's just trying to get the freight off the dock than talking to the COO who sees a real challenge of what they're trying to do because they can't get the goods from their suppliers in enough time and they keep freezing up production and there's challenges there. So one of the, one of the first things that we try to do is make sure that we're talking to the, the right person. What kind of influence does this person have? Uh, because it, it really changes the level of conversation you can. I can't go to a logistics manager who's just trying to make sure trucks get loaded and talk about the complexity of supply chain and talk about how we can build you know, unique solutions. They don't care. They need to get the truck so they can get it moved. You need to be able to talk to someone at a higher level. And honestly, you have to be able to speak knowledgeably to that. It's challenging in this industry because of the talent shortage, because of the challenges that we have, because you can't necessarily just take someone fresh and put them into a conversation like that with a COO or a CTO or whatever. One of the largest accounts that we won back in 2020, their CTO went to the CEO and said, these guys know what the heck they're talking about. We need to go with them. The CTO made that decision, not the logistics manager. So you, you've got to understand like when in, in a business like ours, you have to be able to talk on that level to the right players. Um, at the same time, uh, you have to be able to deliver on what you're saying. <laughs> we, we, uh, we like to laugh. My, uh, uh, one of the owners that I report to, um, he, back in 2019, we had landed a client and we had onboarded them into this new tool that we built. 
and he, he was talking to me. We we're coming back from a, a customer visit, and we we're driving back to the airport. And he says, you know, we, we do need to get better at onboarding. I really don't feel like we've done a, a great job at that. I feel like we could do a lot better on onboarding a new client. And I looked at him, I said, you do understand you sold something that didn't exist. Like we didn't, I hadn't even built what you sold yet, right? You, you don't understand that, right? And he's like, all right, I'll, I'll give you a little bit on that. And, and so, <laughs> you know, and so you've, you've got to be able to trust your team to be able to deliver on that because we're doing a lot of unique things um, and it's very custom to the client. Uh, but you have to be able to then deliver on that promise. Yeah. The uh, one last question. I, I'd love to sit here and talk to you for the rest of the hour, but somebody <laughs> else is waiting on our stage. Um, one last question for you, because that that specialization is is very important with you guys. But one of the things that we look at your company as as one of your suppliers and see that is really impressive is the success you have had with automation within the company. And, you know, it's not the technology question so much as most of us who've been in this a while and, and watched the adoption of automation know that it's process changes and user changes and the organization's ability to adopt it. And it's a very hard thing. I don't care who you mm -hmm. are. You guys have been so singularly successful in everything we've seen you try, both the things you created as well as things that, that we may have given you a starting point for. What's the secret of, of getting automation adopted in an organization like yours? Because your automation is fantastic. Yeah, so we, um, we talk about this a lot. And, I, I, you know, I've got a session tomorrow at 8 a.m., so I don't want to reveal everything. Save, um, save some of it. Then they won't, they won't come to that. You know that, right? So the best. We, we really talked about two things as a company as we set out. We talked about uh, doing more and getting more. Simple as that. My focus was how do we do more then how do we get more? And there's different things that fell into those buckets and different priorities that fell into those buckets based off of what we were trying to do. Uh, but the, the biggest thing that I would tell you that impacts our ability to quickly move on that is the level of influence that I'm able to have in the organization. See, a lot of times those who are leading innovation or, or tech or whatever, they have very limited influence when it comes to operations or sales or marketing or accounting. Um, one of the secret things that I would say we've done is when I joined Kingsgate five years ago, the idea was that I was going to be allowed to disrupt everything. There was nothing that what I wasn't allowed to touch. So if I saw something that was stupid, I was allowed to say, that's stupid, and then go change it, right? And to back it up by, by going in and changing it. And what that did is it built, I, I was able to, over time, build a team underneath me that could come to me and say, hey, Tom, I found something stupid, right? <laughs> and that's what we do now. We uncover things constantly. We find something that someone's doing. We find something that someone's entering wrong. We find something that was bad. And so what we've done is we've taken a lot of these tools and systems we've built. We've got over 80 projects actively running that are automating over 180 tasks within our company like that. And some of it is creating additional revenue streams for us automatically. And my team doesn't even touch it. We have these transactional shipments that flow through my system. I get paid $15 for every single one of those transactional shipments. My team doesn't have to check on those loads. They don't have to see them. They just come in and out of my system and I don't do anything. I even auto bill them. It's beautiful, but it's because 
we've got the level of influence to be able to go in, look at a process. We are actually on call with our clients, our tech team. We have, we have two, of, two of my top players who are literally on a biweekly call with some of our top clients to hear directly from them what they want. And we're building things for them immediately off of those calls. And so that level of stickiness doesn't happen if your group isn't allowed to be innovative. If they're told, stay in that dark room and crack me some code and just build me what I tell you, it doesn't work. Well, that's my time, timer to shut time, up. Time is, time is up. <laughs> I apologize for the, uh, for the noise maker, but I sure appreciate you coming. Yeah. And uh, thanks a lot. Yep, absolutely. Thanks, Mark. It's always fun.